you are sitting in the theater, in the house, house in theater terms. Your assigned seat is printed on your ticket, and you're surrounded by all the other theater goers. The house lights are up, people are taking their seats, violins and horns are warming up, the curtain is closed completely. The woman in her white shirt and black vest walks around the doors with her little xylophone. The orchestra makes one final tuning note. The house lights go down, the orchestra starts up, and we enter another world. For a while, we are on stage with Tony and Maria or Galinda, or a bunch of singing and dancing cats. And for a while, we dream of better worlds, worlds where things work out. Good always wins, and we learn lessons about what is most important in life. And we look at the people around us, and we nod in affirmation, that we got the lesson. People are more important than things. But then a few hours later, the curtain closes and the house lights buzz into your eyes, reminding us that we are no longer in Oz, but we're back in Kansas. We squint, and we walk out to the car and go home and find a medical bill that you knew was coming. She had an ear infection on a Sunday, and no doctor's offices were open, so you had to take your little girl to the emergency room on a Sunday. And they gave her some drops, wrote a prescription, and sent you on your way. And now... A couple of weeks later, you get home from your time in Oz, and you open up the envelope, and you see a bill for an ear infection for just over $2,000. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Oz anymore. The house lights. Sting your eyes with this rush back to reality. And maybe all this talk about light of the world coming down into darkness is both good and bad. At the same time, light is good, but sometimes the main job of the light is to expose that which is truly meaningless. Especially those meaningless things around us that we worry about that take up so much of our time. The three themes in the book of the Bible that we call Ecclesiastes are God, wisdom, and folly. In Ecclesiastes, as, as strange a word as that sounds, all it means is assembly speaker. The Hebrew Bible calls it Koheleth, sometimes translated the preacher. Either way, it has to do with preaching and teaching, 
and the act of assembling, to listen to teaching and preaching, to listen to Kohelet. But Ecclesiastes starts with an introduction from someone else, not Kohelet, not the preacher. Instead, an introducer, a person who sets things up and then gives us a glimpse of items that are still to come, an opening act that knows the main act by heart. Like its earlier counterpart that we know is the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes is the wisdom of someone with more experience passing on that wisdom to a person with less experience. In Proverbs, the writings are from a father to a child. And I cannot help but imagine that Ecclesiastes, along those same lines, is a much older grandfather passing on some wisdom to a much younger granddaughter or some sort of trusted protege. Ecclesiastes is like a deathbed conversation that while saying goodbye takes some time to say, my child, know what to take seriously because the rest is meaningless. Know what is worthwhile. And don't forget to laugh and to cry and to enjoy life and eat good food. No one ever said on his deathbed, I wish I had spent more time at the office. You ever had one of those conversations about what is most important? Shedding some light. But some of us who have done this whole Christian thing for quite a while might hear, eat, drink, and be merry, and have the proper Christian response. You know what the proper Christian response is? To eat, drink, and be merry? Oh, that's not appropriate. Why? Eat good food. Drink a cold, fizzy bottle of Topo Chico. And let yourself be truly happy every once in a while. Seriously, you followers of Jesus, it's actually okay to be happy and enjoy life. Some people think Ecclesiastes is negative. But ironically, it's one of the only books of the Bible to just come out and tell us that it's okay to enjoy your life. And even more so, it comes out and tells us that we need to let ourselves feel. Welcome to Ecclesiastes. But if you read this introduction that we're about to hear from Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 11, before the preacher actually starts preaching in 112, the introducer obviously has already read the manuscript. But the introducer, in many ways, is setting us up. Not setting up Ecclesiastes, it's setting up us. 
He is setting us up with the meaningless in order to get us ready for the body of Ecclesiastes to shed some light on the actual light of God. The introducer spits out this string of little sayings like a movie preview that gives away the movie, but not the whole story. So that when we say, once the movie is over, oh, I thought I knew what the movie was about, but I didn't have the whole picture. This is more than a mere abstract of an article that says, here is what we will hear. So, like to hear it? Here it goes. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless, utterly meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth lasts forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round it, round it goes, ever returning to its course. All streams flow into one sea. Yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of one, which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. And then, I picture, introducer looking over to the preacher and saying okay Kahela son of David take it away and then Kahela steps up to the microphone leans in taps the mic to see if this thing's on and says for the next 12 chapters well, not quite. But that's next week. We will hear the well, not quite next week. But let's go ahead and let the introduction hang in the air for a week. Kind of where we've been hanging in the air for a little over a year. Before we listen to the depths, Listen for a moment to what we listen to actually more than preaching and teaching. Listen to the introducer speaking like us. Let's listen to ourselves. What was the sermon about today? Well, it was just a bunch of negative sayings from the beginning of Ecclesiastes. Well... 
not quiet. What was the movie about? Oh, it was just a love story melodrama and the boat hit an iceberg and sunk. Well, not quite. That's what the introduction to Ecclesiastes is. It is a summary of complex observations simplified into sound bites. It's someone at lunch taking a 20-minute sermon and explaining it in 30 seconds. And while within the whole of Ecclesiastes, we do hear things like the introduction. What's to come is an expansion of those little things fully fleshed out. And isn't that a perfect image for our walk with God? Especially together as the body of Jesus followers. We spend our days trying to make sense of it all shedding light on the subject. And that's where Jesus still actually has things to teach us that we still need to hear. Isn't our church life together a hearing of a word where every Sunday we come together and say, let's give this a little more thought. This conversation is not over. We still have more things to consider. So let's dwell in Jesus a little bit more. One reading of listening to the Sermon on the Mount is just not enough. Like a good song, it needs to be heard and heard again. Or perhaps even, let's let the Word do what it does best, point to God. Because our little sayings and our classes and our sermons are not God. They point to God. The mistake is when we point to God and talk about the finger instead of actually pointing to God. Take, for example, when Jesus starts preaching in Matthew 4. Well, he actually only says a few things like repent in Matthew 4. He really doesn't get to preaching until Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is when Jesus gets to preaching what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. It's when he says things like, blessed are the peacemakers and do not worry. Remember those? Jesus says things that a sage would say. More like Kaheleth than Hosea. But before Jesus says his first thing in Matthew, he gets introduced. He gets set up. An opening act right before Jesus starts preaching says this. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The reason Jesus preached in parables and the reason that Jesus preached like a sage was in order to keep us talking. Jesus did not hand out a grocery list. Jesus handed us stories. He opened the curtain and showed us a whole new world, potential, possibilities. But Jesus also turned up the house lights after the story and reminded us, 
even as the house lights stung our eyes, that we are to go out and live these stories, especially in a world of things like criminally, outrageously high medical bills. When Matthew introduces Jesus, he draws upon Isaiah, almost suggesting that the entire work of Isaiah is an introduction to the preaching and life of Jesus. And so Matthew 4, like Ecclesiastes 1, gives us only a glimpse into the story. Matthew 4, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. You know who we are in that story, right? In Matthew 4, we are the ones living in darkness. And sometimes... Church needs to be a place where you can come in and you don't have to pretend like you're expected to pretend everywhere else that everything is just fine. It's not fine. After these past two years, it's not fine. Everyone is on edge these days, stressed out, barking at each other from behind their steering wheels. The people are living in darkness. That story is about us. But then the introduction. We, those living in darkness, have seen a great light. And then Matthew slash Jesus says in the words of Isaiah, meant to gain a new hearing, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. We know what it is like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's part of our song. It's no wonder everyone is so stressed out. We just spent a year and a half walking through the valley of the shadow of death. What do you expect? Of course we're stressed out. So what do we do? We sing the whole song, not just part of the song. We watch the whole movie, not just the trailer. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yeah, that's a part of our song. But you know what else is? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and y'all feel free to sing with me if you want. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Mm, Why? Because God is with us. But you know that line in Psalm 23 can easily be translated, though I walk in a valley of thickest darkness, You ever been in that kind of darkness? Like in Carlsbad Caverns when they used to turn off the lights. You remember that? You ever been in that? That kind of darkness? So thick you can feel it in your gut? Sometimes feels like that. Living in this world today. Thick darkness. But then during the call to worship portion of our worship service. Light. 
What better way to show that God is with us than Jesus Himself coming into our story, our life with God. Jesus' life announces that the light has dawned. Light has dawned. Even when we feel the darkness of the world down deep in our guts, we hear Jesus announce that a light has dawned. Light has dawned. And we, children of God, followers of Jesus, do not live in darkness. We live in the light. Light has dawned. Yeah, we've heard all this before, but you haven't heard it today. Not yet today. And trust me when I say this from my heart of hearts, we need to hear this today. Yeah, we needed to hear it yesterday, but we need to hear it today even more. Why? Because of the darkness. That's like saying, well, we watched the sunset last night. It doesn't need to set tonight. Yeah, it does. Light has dawned. So why does the introducer to Ecclesiastes start by quoting what we're going to hear over and over again in Ecclesiastes, and even kind of quotes it out of context, that everything is meaningless? Maybe it's because, as we will learn, if not now, later on, that everything, if we are not leaning on the promises of God, that everything is truly meaningless. And y'all back me up on what I'm about to say. Our own words at times just leave an empty taste in our mouths. You ever had to listen to someone talk while you were grieving? You ever had to listen to empty words while you were in pain? The words just feel and sound and taste meaningless. Like the way you feel 15 minutes after McDonald's. Just ugh. But then, God sends an angel to come hold your hand, just breathing into the silence for a moment. And then she lifts her other hand, the one that's not holding yours, And she points up. She points to the light. And you know, you know better than to do like a puppy and look at her finger. Instead, you look to God. She doesn't speak, but you tell her. Light has dawned. I mean, it's true. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor its fill of hearing. That's true, meaningless. 
Because perhaps like Ecclesiastes says with great poetic liberty, so be careful not to read this book as means what it says, says what it means. This is not a book made for that one. But maybe it is all meaningless. But here's the fun part. Even in the midst of saying it's all meaningless, we can still have fun. You ready? Here's the fun part. That even while making such a statement, the preacher interrupts the sermon throughout the thing. Even in the midst of saying everything is meaningless, the preacher keeps interrupting the sermon to talk, even for a moment at times, about the things of the light. Light in the darkness, light has dawned. God, wisdom, family, laughter, good food. How do you live? How do you maintain? How do you keep a straight face and talk about this stuff in such a meaningless world? God, wisdom, family, laughter, good food. Kind of like this moment. Moments like this with God, wisdom, our church family, laughter, the coos of children, and good food, and bread, and drink that leads to eternal life. The sun rises and the sun sets. And then the curtain opens. The meaningless fades into the darkness. Overture. And then the opening line of the play. Light has dawned.